It's a new edition of the Dolphins in Depth podcast. This one, the I'm going to have a pro day, says Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, yeah, Adam, it's going to be lit, baby. You're, you're probably going to be in Birmingham for that pro day, brother. Oh, I can't wait. I cannot wait. I, I might take Air, Air Ross 1 with uh, Chris Greer and, uh, and Brian Flores and, uh, and, of course, Brandon Shore. And uh, Chan Gailey and uh, everyone else. I, I and and Robbie Brown and everybody else, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's and probably- Robbie Brown and New Edition and, uh, you know, others. Oh, by the way, congratulations to Whitney Houston for uh, making the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, that, that's a divergence you didn't think we were going to take. No, congratulations to her. Um, where's she living these days? Uh, I, I think she's got a, a two by eight. <laughs> well, I, I, I like to think of it more as she's got a mansion in heaven. Let's there you go. go that direction. How's that? There you go. There you go. Uh, yeah, it's probably the most important day of the year for off season, at least for the Miami Dolphins, right? If that and the the physical for Tungabailoa at uh, the Combine in, in, in late February. If he passes both those tests, he checks both those boxes, um, he's probably going to be a top-five draft pick. And he should be, based on the tape. And Agreed. You know, so tell us exactly how this came about. Tell us how, um, you know, the, the idea of Tua Tungabailoa Having a pro day for uh, the NFL has uh, has panned out. Right, yeah. So uh, this is all via AL.com. We got a hold of Lee Steinberg, who is Tua's agent. Uh, hired him last week after uh, Tua announced he was going pro. Uh, they say his, his rehab is on pace, that he is reaching all the benchmarks he needs to reach. Uh, he's not going to be ready to throw – at the Combine in Indianapolis, he might not be able to be ready to throw for Alabama's Pro Day in March, but they're confident that he is going to be able to have a workout, a private workout, um, in April in the weeks leading up to the draft. And also, they think he's going to be healthy enough to take visits to teams and work out for them then. So, uh, look, the timeline was what? Three months out from the surgery to know how he's doing, and we're still short of that. But by April, it's five months out, and, you know, he's not going to be full strength. I doubt the Dolphins, if they draft him, would throw him into rookie minicamp two weeks later. But he is going to be healthy enough to move around, to make throws, and to do what he can to convince teams to take a chance on him in the draft. Adam Beasley, I think that uh, what you just said Tua will be doing and how Tua will be performing this offseason and how he's going to be going to the combine and interviewing and how he's going to have a pro day later on. I think we've covered that in this podcast, I would say about a month ago. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yes. You, you, you laid out what you thought the next four months would be for Tua. Hmm. <laughs> uh, I don't want to pat myself on the back, but dang it! <laughs> yeah. Congratulations! Yeah, no, this is very predictable, and it's look. 
part of it, let's face it, is shtick, right? Mm -hmm. Part of it is an agent trying to set up his client to be in the best possible position to go as high as he possibly can in the coming NFL draft. And I get it, um, but allow me to, you know, kind of uh, crash the party and tell that dog to shut up. Uh, <laughs> allow me to crash the party and tell you that Tua in a scripted workout against air is probably going to look good. Mm -hmm. Would you say that? Yeah, and even Steinberg in his comments to AL.com said, we don't expect the ball to hit the ground. He is going to wow everyone with his performance. Of course he is. That's not what really is going to determine whether he gets drafted high or not. What's going to determine is how well he moves around mm -hmm. because it's about mobility and the hip and how well, how much torque he has on his throws because I am going to go over there and feed your dog a biscuit. <laughs> that dog is unhappy with your comments on Tua. He is all on board. He thinks <laughs> this is not a sham. He thinks that Tua is actually already healthy enough to play in the NFL. And you're just, you're just raining on his parade. And then he's going to go off into your room that has a rug and wipe his butt. <laughs> That's what he's going to do. You know, I try to hide when I do these podcasts. I go in my office. I close the door because I know my dog's a lunatic. And yet there must be a delivery or something at my front door that's driving her nuts. Or else she just sees a bird in my backyard, and that's another Oh, so it's a female. It's yes. A female. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, uh, good. All right, so you'll have seven more of those any time now. Oh, we, we, we took precautions long ago, all right? Oh. That's, that's not happening. Oh, good for you. Good for you. <laughs> so so clearly the, the whole Tua, um, you know, dynamic is set up to, for him to succeed. But don't, I would say to our audience, please, please don't be, um, don't fall for the shiny object. Look, look beyond to what is really important, and that is mobility and that is um, ability to have the same velocity on his throws and the ability. It's not about completions with him. It mm -hmm. never has been. He's very accurate. He's elite in that regard. It's about can he get away from someone who's chasing him who wants to break his other hip. What do you think the threshold for, you know, they're, they're – I guess pain is the bad way to say it, but their risk aversion is when it comes to Tua. What do you think they need to see, they as in Greer and Ross and, and Flores, they need to see to make him their franchise quarterback? Um, I don't, you know, it, it's interesting because, it, look, if I'm running the Miami Dolphins, I, I, my risk aversion is, Okay, first of all, let me risk be risk averse by getting getting a good offensive line. Mm -hmm. Because frankly, for years, for decades, the offensive line has been porous for the Miami Dolphins. It has not been a a um, priority, and I think that one way to keep your quarterback healthy although not all the time, but at least you're improving your chances, 
is to give him a good front wall, is to protect him. That not only gets him, keeps him healthy, but maximizes his ability to succeed. Why didn't they, why didn't they do that in 2019? Because that was the story, right? We're going to build the trenches, and in 2020, we're going to go get our quarterback. Why, why didn't they do that? I, look, uh, in parts, they tried. They tried with Michael Dieter, I guess. Um, that didn't go so great. Um, and I'm but not they, saying that Michael Dieter is not going to be a great player, but he wasn't last year. That's all I can say about that. But their offensive line today is worse than it was 12 months ago. There's no question about that. That is true because they lost their starting Pro Bowl left tackle. Uh, that's the one that I I just I'm I'm bro. Yeah, and they and they left and let Jawan James walk, which I know I he was a problem with that one though. Jawan James is a guy. Here here's something crazy, Armando. I uh, you know the, the 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 Titans are one win away from the Super Bowl. We can get into that. But they're one win away from the Super Bowl in large part because of their running game. And their running game is really good because Derrick Henry is really good, but their offensive line is excellent. And Jack Conklin is the right tackle the Dolphins might target in free agency, uh, particularly if Tua is their, their draft pick because that's his line side. Jack Conklin is going to cost way more than Juwan James did. I mean, like 2 or $3 million more a year than Juwan James. So you're willing to pay – and I, I, we haven't—they haven't done it, but I, I, the thought has to have crossed their mind. They're going to pay thirteen, fourteen, fifteen million dollars a year for Jack Conklin when you could have gotten Juwan for ten or eleven. Hello. Can you hear me? Oh, now I can. Oh, yeah. No, I was going off about Jack Conklin there. No, I heard uh, you're going to pay. 13, 14, 15 million dollars a year for Jack Conklin, and then Brian Flores turned you off. Oh, he didn't want to hear any more of it. No, my, po- my, my point was this. Um, yes, he's better, a better player than Juwan, but is he a, is a $4 million a year better? And again, the Dolphins might not do that, but then they have to go and draft a right tackle that can pass block really well if two is their guy. Because you, it, I don't know if you can just take you know, if you're picking 18 or 26 or, you know, whatever pick they're going to use to address the offensive line and just get the best left tackle and move them to right, is that is, is that your plan? They're going to need someone who's really good at pass blocking at right tackle. And Juwan James was good at that. He wasn't a good run blocker, but he was a pretty good pass blocker. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a big Juwan James fan. I'm sorry. Uh, I just not. And on top of that, now he's hurt. Right. And he's been hurt, and he was hurt a lot with the Dolphins, by the way. Right. And 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 he also kind of gave up in 2018 and kind of well, checked out. There is that. Too. He didn't feel loved by Adam Gase, and so that's not the kind of guy I want on the team. Period. Fair. Fair. Um, expensive, checked out on the coach, and injury prone. No, thank you. So I will say to you this. Alabama has a right tackle who is very good. Uh, I believe his name is Willis or Wills. And I know that the Dolphins like him. And it's no secret. I mean, there's like a photo of uh, (laughs) the trio of Chris Greer and Steve Ross and CEO and President Tom Garfinkel at the Alabama Bowl game. 
and Greer is like pointing to to the offensive lineman going, oh, look, look, look. Um, so there's that. Yeah. But I would say to you, if the Dolphins had not traded, not traded Laramie Tunsil, they would be set at center. They would be set at left tackle. They could still draft a right tackle and draft Tua. And now you can fill in with maybe Brandon Scherf uh, at guard, and you've got Dieter at the other guard, and you've got a veteran, good offense, you know, two former pro bowlers or two pro bowlers um, <laughs> and an up-and-coming rookie in the first round, and a guy that you drafted in the third round the year before that you have high hopes for. Why is here's, that not better? Here's the thing about uh, Dedrick Wills. Uh, he might not be there at 18. Uh, some people think he might be a top 10 pick. Um, so you're, you're going to if, – if you take a quarterback at five, which if two is your guy, you're going to have to take him at five because he's not going to be there at 18. You might um, have you're, to up for him, actually. Yeah, agreed. You're, you're, you're going to probably be getting the – third or fourth tackle in the draft at 18, which could still be a fine player, but... Right tackle, right tackle, right tackle. Right. I mean, again, maybe some of these guys have position flexibility. Uh, but it's, you know, it's going to be, it, it's going to be a challenge. And they, it, we can agree, and we got to go to break in a second, but we can agree that the trades, the, the uh, trading Tannehill, trading Tunsil, Trading Minka, while on paper were the smart moves, they haven't panned out like they hoped. Because, A, if Ryan Tannehill comes to Miami and wins the Super Bowl, Steve Ross is going to be, no matter what they say, he's going to be embarrassed. That, that, that is going to be a source of embarrassment for Steve Ross. If in the building he spent a billion dollars to renovate, the quarterback they gave up on after seven years of trying, a year later wins a Super Bowl, no matter how right the decision was in the moment, it's going to be a source of embarrassment for the owner. And then – Pittsburgh and Houston both had better seasons than anticipated, and those draft picks aren't great. And 26, the 26th pick, and I know they get a first next year, but for Tunsil, are you going to be able to get a player as good at 26 as Tunsil would have been if you kept him? Unlikely. Unlikely, right? Yeah, agreed. Well, let's, uh, get, into that. let's get into more of that in a second, but first we have to uh, hear for, uh, from our sponsors. Beasley, you're already putting Ryan Tannehill in the Super Bowl. And not only that, you've given him the Lombardi Trophy. <laughs> Let me tell you right now, brother, that's not happening. Okay? Wow. That's not happening. Not. Prediction. That is a strong prediction. You don't think they can win two more games? No. I don't think they can win one more game. I think Cinderella, uh, you know, the, the stagecoach becomes a pumpkin on Sunday for the Tennessee <laughs> Titans. And it's not because of Ryan Tannehill. I just think, look, that is the classic elite quarterback versus game manager with a lot of talent around him matchup. Uh, the problem is the elite quarterback also has a lot of talent around him. <laughs> and so they're going to put up 40 points. Does the game manager with a lot of talent around him put up 40 points like the elite quarterback with a lot of talent around him? That's the question. 
Ye of little faith, Armando Salguero. I've got some news for you. Not only uh, do I think Ryan Tannehill can beat the Kansas City Chiefs, I know he has beat the Kansas City Chiefs just this very year. And do you know how he did it, Armando? By beating a four-play, 61-yard, 58-second drive in the last minute of the game with a touchdown and a successful two-point conversion to beat the Chiefs. Ryan Tannehill not only can do it, he already has done it. Yeah, wasn't that the game where the uh, Titans jumped off sides on a winning field goal uh, attempt and wasn't called, and then uh, the 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 attempt went like wide or something? Uh, Why you bring up details, man? I'm just telling you, Tannehill's yeah. a winner. No, <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, no, he is. He's been a winner for the Tennessee Titans this year, and God bless him. Look, I'm not, I'm not a hater of Ryan Tannehill. I love the guy as far as a person is concerned. It was time for him to go, bro. I mean, anyone who is looking back and going, oh, the Dolphins should have kept him, um, you, and I'm not saying you're doing that, but anyone who's doing that, it, where were you, you know, 10 months ago when this was going down? Because I don't remember a whole lot of people going, this is a mistake. Right. No, I, I, I completely agree with you. But would you also agree that this plan has backfired pretty spectacularly, particularly, particularly if Tannehill wins this weekend? No. No. I, the goal for the Miami Dolphins has to be find an elite franchise-defining, game-changing quarterback. Ryan Tannehill, for all that he's done in 2019 and in the 2020 playoffs, is not that. And what he's done in 2019 and 2020 playoffs does not erase seven years of average. Would you, would you agree with me, and that is true, but would you agree with me that Mike Rabel and the Tennessee Titans – have shown the Dolphins completely misused Ryan Tannehill for seven years, that if you ask him to be the Adam Gase, Peyton Manning, drop back 40 times and throw the ball over the field, he's going to get you beat. But if you build your team, defense, running game, play action, bootleg, things that are his strength, he is a very good player. I saw him do that exactly like that in 2016. So – Adam Gase did exactly why? that in 2016. Exactly. Why, why was he so? Why was he so stubborn? He wouldn't stick with it then. I, I believe in 2016 they won. They right, they right, and then and and then and and then he and then said, in 2017 Adam uh, Adam was like, "Where's Tannehill? Oh, he's not here because once again he blew out his knee." Right, agreed. But also, uh, I believe I'm I, before the 2018 season. He said something to the degree of "bleep this, I'm doing this my way. We're throwing the football." And he he said, "I, I believe my system is the right way. We're not going to be a power running team. We're going to be a team that throws the football." And it got him fired. He got fired after that. And again, Tannehill's health failed him again, which is a, absolutely a fair criticism. But you don't you, you can extend even beyond. Adam Gates, Joe Philbin was the same way that they they didn't they didn't build the team the way the Titans have that clearly is more conducive to Ryan Tannehill's success 
than the way they ran it. I think that's a fair criticism. That's a fair criticism, and again, it shows you what Ryan Tannehill really is. So what you're telling me is, if you put a great offensive line in front of him, if you put a great running back behind him, if you put a great defense uh, on the other side of the ball uh, on his team, and you don't let him throw very much, he's fine. What the frick? He's not a quarterback then. He's, he's more than fine. He was the, he had the higher, highest passer in the NFL this year. He, yeah. was, he was very efficient in what they asked him to do. Am I saying that he is Patrick Mahomes? No, of course not. But he did, did he ever, in, in his seven years in Miami, was he ever the highest rated passer in the NFL? No. Was, was he ever nearly as accurate or had as explosive plays continuously as he did in Tennessee? I mean, that 45-yard dime he dropped in the playoffs uh, last week in, in Baltimore was a thing of beauty. It was absolutely it was awesome. It was one of eight completions that he had in the game. Not seven. <laughs> he was seven of seven of fourteen. Seven of fourteen. I think both. I think both things can be true. Is my point that he was he is never going to be Aaron Rodgers, but he is okay. clearly because we have the evidence in front of us more than good enough to get a really good team to the brink of the Super Bowl. And and the Dolphins. And again, part of it was, and this is the you know this is the the biggest point. He was too expensive in Miami. He was going to cost, what, $26 million on the cap uh, in 2019 if they kept him. He was, he, he was overpaid, and he was way too big of a cap liability. That wasn't his fault, right? He's not going to turn away money. It was Mike Tannenbaum's fault for giving that contract, and certainly Mike Tannenbaum's fault for doubling down and, and, and kicking the can down the road with the restructures. to a degree. So there was a year that he had a $26 million cap number. But right now in Tennessee – He's making more from the Dolphins than he is the Titans. The, Di- the Dolphins paid him $5 million this year. The Titans are paying him 2 and a half. At $2.5 million, Armando, he's basically Josh Rosen. That makes him the best value in professional sports. Let's get out on this, Beasley, and two little points that I want you to react to. Number one, the Titans are going to have to make a decision on Ryan Tannehill because he's off the Dolphins' books for next year. And he's fully on the Titans books, and he wants to get paid. Do the Tennessee Titans believe in him so much that they'll pay him like an elite quarterback that you now say he is? You know, it's funny you you, you ask that because there are two examples, uh, both with the same franchise, of ways to go. Uh, In 2000, uh, the Ravens won the Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer. And I'm not saying that, that Tannehill's, better, uh, Tannehill's Dilfer, he's a better player than Trent Dilfer was, but they won a Super Bowl with the formula we're talking about. The next year, the Ravens moved on and brought in Elvis Gerback because they, didn't, they knew they could not replicate that success if they stayed the same. The same exact exa- scenario happened in 2012 when the Ravens won the Super Bowl with Joe Flacco. And what did the Ravens do then? They doubled down on Flacco and gave, made him the highest-paid quarterback in NFL history. And they haven't been back to the Super Bowl yet. So which way are they going to go? It's, it's a great question. I, I, I think it all comes down to how much is Tannehill willing to stay for. If it's a reasonable number, great, make him your quarterback. If he's asking for 20-plus a year, you can't do it. Secondly, something that Dolphin fans don't realize, and I, we need to set the record straight here. Everybody says, you know what, um, 
Philbin ruined Tannehill. Gase ruined Tannehill. Everybody ruined Tannehill. They missed the point that the person and the coaching staff that got rid of Tannehill was Brian Flores and his staff. Okay? It wasn't Mm -hmm. Adam Gase. It wasn't Joe Philbin. If nothing else, those two guys, Gase and Philbin, their mistakes was being too closely uh, linked at the hip to Tannehill and believing in him too much, and that went south. Right. So your, my, your, que- your question is? My question is, it's not a question, it's, it's a fact. Mm-hmm. The Flores administration last year got rid of a quarterback who now is in the AFC championship game, and they traded for a quarterback, gave up a second-round pick and a fifth-round pick for a quarterback who couldn't get on the field for them. My reaction is this. They better get Tua. Tua better be healthy, and he better be really good. Because if they did all this and they picked the wrong quarterback, they're not going to be here in three years. Three years? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm being generous. Two years. We've already got a 5-11 and in the books, man. Very true. We appreciate you uh, listening to this week's edition of We're Going to Be Very Patient with the Miami (laughs) Dolphins, Dolphins in Depth Podcast. Uh, tune in again next week, and we'll discuss Ryan Tannehill going down against the Kansas City Chiefs, unless, of course, they do what Beasley says and they're going to the Super Bowl. Should be interesting. Take care.